Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and welcome. I'm Heather Kara and I'm your host this morning for Real Presence Live. You don't need to adjust your radios. Speakers, I am not Monsignor Schumacher. <laughs> Monsignor Schumacher has his priestly duties today and had to step out to do a funeral. So I am taking his spot, but we still have the same great guest lineup for today. We've got Bishop Kagan starting us off. Then we've got Steve Ray. We're going to be starting a new topic with him, Genesis. Darcy is going to join us on servant leadership. And then Amanda, who is going to be presenting at the Women's Redeemed Conference in Fargo this weekend is going to be on with us. So, star-studded lineup that I get to take over. So, I'm very excited to be with you. Thank you for joining me, and blessings on your Lent. hope everybody had a good Ash Wednesday. Let's start with a little prayer. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, You have given the human race, Jesus Christ our Savior, as a model of humility. He fulfilled your will by becoming man and giving his life on the cross. Help us to bear witness to you by following his example of suffering and make us worthy to share in his resurrection. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So thank you for joining me this morning. This is Heather Carroll. I am broadcasting out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota today, taking over from Monsignor Schumacher, who has other um, priestly duties that he had to take care of this morning. But we do have the same fantastic guest lineup this morning, and we're going to jump right into it. We've got Bishop Kagan from the Diocese of Bismarck on the line. Good morning, Bishop. Uh, Good morning. Blessings on your Lent. How was Ash Wednesday? Oh, here it was uh, very nice, uh, very busy uh, for all of our uh, priests in the parishes in in Bismarck and Mandan. I I imagine the same was true around our diocese here, but uh, uh, it, it was quite nice, and people were certainly delighted to be able to be back into in into church and being at mass absolutely so can i ask you an off-the-cuff question bishop i promise it won't be too hard All so right. my <laughs> he's, he's hesitant my question so we get the ashes on our forehead and they are blessed ashes right i have always wondered i don't want to ruin them and i don't want to touch them what is the proper way of removing them at the end of the day well, uh, you can just wash them off with soap and water. Uh, it's okay. a, uh, a sacramental, of course, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, as all sacramentals uh, it pr- approved by the uh, by the church, uh, therefore, our benefit and and to increase our devotion, uh, 
uh, to our Lord uh, through the recep- worthy reception of all of the sacraments. And uh, ashes are always and always have been a sign of, of true penitence and repentance. And so uh, ashes uh, certainly remind us on Ash Wednesday of the beauty and the necessity of frequent confession in the sacrament of, uh, uh, of penance. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, that's fine. You can that's just wash those off uh, at the end of the day. And uh, um, you know what we do in our uh, cathedral, and I think some of the other parishes, I, I don't know everything that goes on, obviously, but... Uh, mm-hmm. They mix the ashes with a little bit of olive oil, which gives it kind of a, a, a gluey sort of oh. substance. So you can make a real nice dark cross on pers- people's foreheads and uh, nice. kind of stays there for a while. So, uh, it, But at least it doesn't look like an FBI thumbprint or something <laughs> on your forehead, you know. Right. Well, thank you for answering that off-the-cuff question. I've I, I've only sure. been a Catholic for over forty years, Bishop. And <laughs> I always wondered what's the All proper right. way. Yeah. So lunch has officially started. Um, any tips for the listeners um, for the best way well, to begin Lent? Well, I I always I, and I, I learned this a long time ago from the you know annual. Lenten observances and and doing your best to keep the discipline of Lent. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't uh, try and do too much uh, during Lent, but what you choose to do as far as, you know, prayer, personal prayer, communal prayer, uh, what you choose to do as a particular penance, and what you choose to do uh, as far as almsgiving, uh choose one thing and really persevere and stick to it because you know a lot of sometimes our our what we want to do in lent is kind of like our new year's resolutions we pick four or five and after about four or five days none of them uh, are being kept anymore but uh, i always like to tell people you know uh pick one extra thing to do in your personal prayer life and do that every day you know whatever choose a prayer you know i always tell them you know the church has a great treasury of of prayers and devotions choose one and be faithful to that and the same with you know as i say a penance you know people like to give up all sorts of things well choose one thing that you know uh will really uh, affect you if you don't do it uh, uh, for the period of Lent, and that's the one to, uh, to persevere in. You know, it's not that the Church expects you're going to starve yourself to death or something like that, but, yeah. you know, uh, do something that... Uh, it's you. It's not a matter of choosing something that. Well, if I don't do it, I can live without it anyhow. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, do something that is. It will make a difference in your life, and the same for, you know, the 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 works of charity. 
uh, everyone can't do everything all the time, but we can all do something right. every day and, you know, persevere in that. Right. Great advice. Well, this is also the time of year when Stations of the Cross um, is a devotion that commonly happens in our parishes, usually on Fridays. Um, right. Where did this devotion come from? Well, it's actually, it traces, a lot of times people think uh, this was brought back to Western Europe by the Crusaders after the First Crusade. Well, it really wasn't. Uh, The Franciscans were the first great promoters of the Stations of the Cross in Europe itself. And uh, from that... uh, and, of course, St. Francis uh, visited the Middle East, and uh, he had a great relationship with uh, the caliph uh, there, and uh, Franciscans were welcomed uh, to live and, and work there. Uh, but it, uh, the Franciscans are the first to popularize uh it wasn't the stations of the cross as we have them uh, were of a far different form in the beginning. It's not that people were unfamiliar with the passion and death of the Lord, certainly from the Gospels, but uh, until the uh, that part of of Christendom uh, was overrun by the Muslims. Uh, uh, and even afterwards, though, Christians made pilgrimages to Jerusalem and the Holy Land, and uh, they would frequent the places of Christ's life, death, and resurrection and pray at each one. And so it wasn't something everybody just never heard of. Once the Franciscans began to popularize, uh Stations of the Cross, and uh, the way they would do it, uh, they did it, they would do it outside as well as inside churches. Uh, They would um, erect just plain crosses and uh, pray uh, at each cross, meaning a a stand and pray, so that's how the word station kind of developed, and meditate. They'd give a little sermon so uh, of sorts uh, on a particular element of the passion and death of Christ. And uh, this became quite popular, obviously, especially in the Middle Ages, uh, and uh, so much so that um, it was Pope Clement Twelfth, I think, who was an 18th century pope, who actually gave the form and the number to the stations. And he allowed, again, for them uh, to be uh, erected outside, or they would could be uh, erected inside. But again, originally, you know, we have some very beautiful stations, whether they're done in, in paintings, mosaics, or sculpture. But originally, they were 14 crosses, put on the walls of a church or outside somewhere. And it was Pope Clement, again, the 12th, who required the movement 
uh, of those who pray the stations, you walk the stations imitating our Lord walking the Via Dolorosa. Mm. And um, uh, as time went on, again, this it, this became quite popular. And uh, from these, that's why still in, in all of our churches where you have stations of the cross, there's always a little wooden cross somewhere near the actual station. Mm. That's the remnant of the original stations of the cross, but now we have very beautifully uh, depicted those uh, 14 scenes uh, from the condemnation of Jesus by Pilate to death until his being buried in the tomb. Um, so it, it it's a great devotional prayer, mm-hmm. and it, it's uh, obviously most appropriately prayed during Lent, but it's it's a prayer. Uh, anyone can pray, either privately or publicly, and that's another nice thing about the stations. Um, if uh, someone is, is ill or disabled a bit and can't actually uh, get into church, so to speak, and, and make those 14 stations, there are those nice uh, booklets uh, you you can mm-hmm. it's allowed you can pray the fourteen stations uh, in your home uh, just meditating on each of those twelve or fourteen stations using the prayers prescribed and uh, the ben the spiritual benefit uh, is the same and so it's these are it's it has a long and uh, uh, I think an important history uh, for the Catholic Church because it's it's an excellent summary of the Lord's passion and death, all based on the four gospel accounts of his passion and death. And uh, for many people uh, in earlier times, when literacy wasn't you know very widespread, uh, they could uh, make these 14 stations uh, uh, being led by a priest and uh, become much better informed uh, mm-hmm. about those portions of the Gospels, the, the passion and, and death of Jesus on the cross. And uh, so it served a, a wonderful purpose, and it's one of those uh, devotions that uh, it just endures. I, I shouldn't say just endures, but endures because of its, on the one hand, uh, simplicity, but on the other hand, it's it's uh, a very profound meditation. Uh, if we make these stations of the cross in a prayerful way, a very profound meditation on the merciful love of God for humanity. Well, and looking at the stations, they're just such a beautiful and rich history and tradition of our church. So are all oh, the yeah. stations then based on scriptural accounts? Yes, yeah. Okay. So where did the story of Veronica's veil... Well, I, I shouldn't... Uh, <laughs> I was... <laughs> Go ahead. The, that, that particular station comes from a very early Christian source, very ancient source, mm-hmm. uh, I, they used to read, I don't know if it's still referred to in, in 
seminary and university Catholic scripture studies, but it was called the Q source. And I, for the, I, when I was in theology, which is a very long time ago now, that's what uh, we were taught. That's what it's called, the Q source. And I, if they told us what Q meant, I've totally forgotten. <laughs> but uh, that's okay. uh, I've never heard of it. Uh, so you're stuck. There, there's a reference there. Uh, it, some get that confused with the. You remember the account of the resurrection where. Uh, Peter and then John, after Peter goes into the empty tomb of Jesus and sees the the wrappings, the shroud uh, uh, folded up in one place, and then uh, St. John writes uh, the what covered his face was uh, put, placed separately. That's, that's not the same as Veronica's veil, but that right. uh, that comes from a very early and very ancient Christian source. And, of course, that name Veronica, uh, broken down, means uh, it comes from two Latin, uh, uh, well, one Latin, one Greek, uh, vera uh, for true or real, and uh, the word uh, icon, ikonos, is Greek for image. And so... Uh, the name Veronica itself uh, lends credence to uh, that station that uh, the true image imprinted uh, on her on her veil uh, is what they usually say she used uh, of the face of Jesus, and so uh, she, I think, obtained the name Veronica uh, because of that. How interesting. Yeah. Well, Bishop, we're running out of time this morning, and I wanted to ask um, also the significance of the three falls of Jesus during the stations. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, uh, you know, you, certain numbers in sacred scripture, Old and New Testaments, uh, uh, have tremendous meaning. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Jesus falling three times during his agony and uh, making the way of the cross, the Via Dolorosa, making his way, carrying his cross to Calvary to be crucified and died for us, uh, uh, are a preview of the three days uh, he uh, was in the tomb prior to rising from the dead, and uh, Jesus himself uh, refers to his own suffering and resurrection more than once in the Gospels, and and more than once he he speaks of on the third day. And so these, uh, the falling of uh, Jesus three times uh, is in a way uh, an indicator for us, or at least a, a preview for us, of the uh, the time he spends uh, is in the tomb and uh, looking forward to the third day and on the third day uh, salvation is obtained through his resurrection from the dead. Beautiful. So, in our last couple minutes, uh, Bishop Kagan, if you could just uh, a few words of encouragement for those that have never attended. Uh, Stations of the Cross, um, what can they expect, and why would you recommend it? 
Well, uh, it it's one of the uh, great devotional prayers uh, uh, the Church has, first of all, and I, I would highly recommend it. It doesn't take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be led by a priest or a deacon, uh, and um, when it's inside a church, it's usually a priest or a deacon who will move from station to station. Uh, they all, uh, every, all the parishes have uh, a booklet of some kind uh, that you can pray along uh, and meditate on each of the stations, but. Um, it's a beautiful uh, meditation on, as I say, the passion and death of the Lord. And um, since it all occurred, uh, his, his passion and death occurred on, on that Good Friday, that's the customary day uh, that stations are prayed. And uh, as, as you mentioned when we began, Lent is the, is the most appropriate and most opportune time for everyone to pray the Stations of the Cross, but uh, the Church encourages us uh, to uh, pray these prayers, uh, observe these devotions uh, whenever we're able to. And so uh, there's never a bad time to be reminded about God the Father's merciful love for us by... uh, uh, praying the stations of the cross. Yeah, and and like you said before, they can have just a beautiful, profound effect. Um, oh yeah, prayerful. Yeah. God. They're just beautiful. Bishop yeah. Kagan, thank you so much for joining us today and giving oh, you're your very time kind. Thank well, you I hope you have a blessed Lent. Will you? Um, thank you. The your blessing? you. I shall. Yes. Blessed be the name of the Lord, now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a beautiful end. You too. Thank you, You're very kind. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. All right, folks, that was Bishop Kagan from the Diocese of Bismarck. Um, Very interesting things about the Stations of the Cross that I had never known before, so... Uh, We're going to keep moving right along. Up next, Steve Ray will be joining us. He's going to be talking about the first 11 chapters of Genesis. I cannot wait to hear what Steve has to say. Stay with us. More Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 